Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, educator friends, and welcome to this new episode of Pre-K Spot Talks. I'm your host, Melissa May. This is Season 5, Episode 8, all about rotating materials. Now, I would just like to preface this by saying we are not talking about everything. There are some staples in the classroom that remain the same because children love them. They are classic. They are everything that they need. We're talking about just livening things up, freshening things up every once in a while by taking away some things, adding some things back in, and maybe just opening and closing a few things. So why are material rotations so crucial? Well, imagine a world that never changes. The same scenery, the same activities, day in and day out. Sounds monotonous, doesn't it? To say the least. That's exactly how our young learners can feel in a static classroom environment. The key to keeping their world vibrant and stimulating lies in rotating materials, a simple yet profound strategy. Material rotation is not just about swapping toys. It's an art and science that enhances the learning environment. It fosters engagement and supports developmental milestones. So how do we do it effectively? Let's start with understanding the why. Rotating materials in the classroom isn't just about tidiness or organization. It's about sparking curiosity and a love for learning. When children walk into a classroom and find something new, a different set of blocks, a new puzzle, or a fresh art supply, it's like opening a gift. Their eyes light up, their minds start racing, and suddenly they're engrossed in exploring this novel item. We all know this novel, first-time-seeing-it feeling with little kids, but we can see how excited they get about things. And even if they forget about it in four days, depending on what the material is, they had that time where it was just so engaging and exciting and sparked their creativity and was just so inspiring. And that can then build. It can build on itself. This excitement is the seed of learning. It's in these moments of discovery that children develop critical thinking, problem-solving skills, and creativity, a favorite around here. They learn to adapt to changes, which is a vital life skill. But how often should we rotate these materials? And the answer varies. But a good rule of thumb is to observe your students. Your students will tell you everything if you just stop, look, and listen. Yes, I meant to say that, and I meant to say it that way because we expect that from our students and we should give that back to them. When interest wanes in a particular area or material, it's probably time for a change. And if this is like one of your bigger areas, say kids just haven't been playing in blocks for a little while, there's nothing wrong with just closing it for a little bit. It's not something I suggest you do all the time or you do for punishment, But hey, they're not using it, like close it off or it's being overused, close it off. Let them just get into something else because that's just not an option today. And the same thing kind of goes for rotating materials. Now let's talk about the what 
to rotate. It's important to have a diverse range of materials that cater to different developmental areas, sensory play, motor skills, cognitive development, language, and social-emotional learning. For instance, swapping a set of trains for a set of cars or swapping the trains and cars out for a set of open-ended blocks and more open-ended materials. And the idea of opening and closing areas like I just spoke about, this is what changes the physical aspect of the play and also shifts the learning focus. But it's not just about switching things up randomly. Strategic rotation requires understanding the developmental needs and interests of your children. This is where your keen observation skills as an educator come into play. Notice which materials spark the most interest and engagement and which ones are met with indifference. This insight will guide your rotation strategy. Also, thinking about the play urges and how the children are using the materials. Are they using them safely? Are they showing you an urge? Can you extend that urge or give them something different to get that urge out? As we rotate materials, it's also crucial to consider the themes or topics being explored in the class. Aligning the materials with these themes can deepen the learning experience. For instance, if the theme of the week is under the sea, introducing ocean-related books, puzzles, and sensory bins can enrich the children's exploration of this topic. Now, depending on your requirements and how you run your room, you may be doing themes, you may not be doing themes, but themes is definitely an easy way to think about the materials that you're using. Now, I am a believer of having materials out all the time that can lend itself to any study topic, but sometimes you just need to add a little extra. Like do fall seasons, we do a lot of pumpkins, and right now we're studying trees, so we're looking at a lot more leaves and things like that, and we put them in our sensory table, and they're out on the invitation table, and we're walking around talking about trees. So this really helps to drive home any content learning that you may have to do. So as we continue our discussion on material rotations, let's delve deeper into practical strategies and real-world examples of how this can be implemented effectively. Let's get into the nitty-gritty, the practical strategies that make material rotation a seamless and effective process. Firstly, let's talk about planning. Successful material rotation doesn't happen on the fly. It requires thoughtful planning. Start by creating a material inventory, a comprehensive list of all the resources at your disposal. This list becomes your palette to paint an ever-changing, vibrant classroom environment. Categorize these materials by type, learning objectives, sensory, cognitive, motor skills, creative arts, etc., and possibly even open-ended and close-ended. This will help you quickly identify what you need for each rotation. We can get real Monica Geller with this and like add tons of extra tabs because we all know that materials cross over lots of different categories. We want developmental domains. We want possibly content areas. We want to know what play urges they might be needing along with the other things already suggested. So you might need to label these in lots of different ways. I suggest a color code system or even just putting little tabs on them. Think of it as tagging like you do on the computer. Once you have your inventory, plan a rotation schedule. You don't need to change everything at once. Even small, regular changes can have significant impact. For example, you might rotate the art supplies and books weekly, but the dramatic play and block areas might see changes in longer periods of time. Now, I'm not likely changing anything weekly, but we're changing books at least monthly. We are changing up certain art supplies and possible art materials 
as the children need them, this is a really great place to be child-led. Now, of course, there are some things that are going to drive these changes. Like we said, themes, studies, seasons. I also just like to take away the more close-ended materials after the first eight weeks of school. That first eight weeks, we like to get really comfy and we like to be familiar. But then after that, we start pushing their thoughts and their play by making things much more open-ended. So you may have some teacher-directed times when you know you want to rotate materials. Then everything else can be based off of the students. Next, consider logistics. Where will you store these materials not in use? How can you organize them to make the rotation process efficient? Ugh, efficiency. This is like a thing for me. I love to do things efficiently. I don't want to do more work than I have to. I want to work smarter, not harder. Clear labeled bins in a storage area can be a lifesaver. This organization also helps in tracking which materials are being used and which ones are gathering dust. I finally, just this past year, did some major reorganization. And by doing some major reorganization, I was really able to set up an efficient toy material rotation because I can easily access everything. I made sure everything had lids. Everything is in clear bins. I do not have it labeled because I am not that type A enough, but I know where all of my closed-ended materials are. I know where all my open-ended materials are, and I can grab all of them really easily. Now let's talk implementation. When introducing new materials, it's important to do so thoughtfully. You can't just swap things out and expect children to engage immediately. Introduce the new materials to the children, perhaps through a story or a group discussion. This introduction can spark interest and provide a smooth transition for the children. Sometimes if it's a familiar material or it's something totally off base and I just want to see what the kids will do, I will put it out on our invitation table because the children know that the invitation table is an exploration table. So this is sometimes a really great way to do that introduction. Let them just explore first and then have a discussion about it either at your closing circle or after work time or even the next day. Definitely take a lot of pictures because I love taking pictures of the children's work and showing them to them so they can see and be inspired by what other people did and also continue their work. It is crucial to involve the children in this process. This fosters a sense of ownership and responsibility. For example, you can make this a job. One of the children's jobs or a couple of the children's job will be to assist in the rotation process. This involvement can be a learning experience in itself, teaching organization, categorization, and teamwork. But how do we measure the success of our material rotation? Observation is key. If you are a play-based educator or wanting to become one, observation is everything. Watch how the children interact with the new materials. Are they engaged? Are they exploring in new ways? Are they being productive? This observation will not only inform your future rotations, but also provide valuable insights into each child's interests and learning style. So we've talked about the theory and the strategies behind material rotation, but what does this look like in a real classroom? We're going to dive into real world examples and insights from some friends who have mastered the art of material rotation. And of course, names have been changed for anonymity. Let's start with Ms. Harper, a preschool teacher. 
Ms. Harper has a unique approach to material rotation. She aligns her material changes with seasonal themes. For instance, in autumn, her classroom gets a makeover with fall colors, leaves, and pumpkin-themed sensory bins. This not only keeps the environment fresh, but also connects children with the natural world and its cycles. Another inspiring example comes from Mr. Chen. He teaches pre-K, and he incorporates a Friday surprise in his classroom. Every Friday, one section of his classroom reveals a new set of materials related to the theme they're exploring that week. It could be new books, a science experiment setup, or a mini art studio change. This weekly surprise keeps the children eagerly anticipating Fridays, and it brings a sense of adventure and excitement to learning. Something we just learned really recently from the materials trailer from Teaching Beyond the Square was to just put out a bunch of loose parts, but in a somewhat beautiful way. I have done this before where it was a choice and the children would choose two or three loose parts to work with, but I'd never sort of thought about just grabbing a collection of them and keeping a collection and just putting it out every once in a while. So what we did was there's a circle of fabric and the children had gotten to choose five loose parts and they put them all together from the children's choices and then the children got to pick from the collective And then they just took them and they went to an area and they played. And it was really beautiful. It was really inspiring and it was really, really exploratory. And the children loved it. These examples show that there are many ways to approach material rotation. Depending on your situation, your requirements, your setting, depending on how big your classroom is, there are a lot of factors that play into this, but this can be a key strategy into helping some of those things. If you do have requirements, if you do have a smaller space, materials rotation is a key strategy to making sure that you are hitting all developmental domains and allowing children that choice and that creativity and those moments to dive deep into play. Something we notice about the examples shared that they all have in common is that the approach is emphasizing on keeping the classroom environment dynamic, engaging, and closely tied to the children's interest and developmental needs. For me, the key is children interests. And of course, I'm making this sound all easy, like anybody can do this, which anybody can, but we do know that there may be some challenges. So as we've journeyed through the why, the how, and the real life applications, let's tackle some of the challenges and look at how material rotation not only fits into, but enhances broader educational philosophies. One common challenge is budget constraints. Not every school or educator has the resources to constantly add new materials. But remember, material rotation is not always about buying new things. It's about creatively reusing and repurposing what you already have. For instance, a simple set of blocks can be transformed into a math tool, a language game, or a science experiment with a bit of imagination. It's about seeing the potential in everyday items to create new learning experiences. I do also just want to put out there that you don't need to constantly be getting them new things. This is why rotation is key. You have what you have, you keep it simple, you keep it light, and you just rotate things around. Another hurdle can be storage space. Effective rotation requires an organized system for storing materials not in use. 
utilize vertical space with shelves, use clear bins for easy identification, and label everything. A well-organized storage system not only makes rotation easier, but also teaches children about organization and respect for materials. Now let's consider how material rotation aligns with educational goals. The essence of early childhood education is to foster a lifelong love of learning, curiosity, and exploration. Material rotation directly supports these goals by creating an environment that's constantly evolving, uh, just like children themselves. It keeps the spark of wonder alive and encourages children to ask questions, to explore, and to experiment. Moreover, material rotation aligns perfectly with emergent curriculum and child-centered pedagogies. By observing children's interests and responses to different materials, educators are able to tailor their teaching strategies and the environment to meet the children's needs and curiosities. This responsive approach ensures that learning is relevant, engaging, and meaningful to each child. It's about the play. We just want them to play. And let's not forget the role of material rotation in promoting inclusivity and diversity. By rotating materials that reflect different cultures, languages, and experiences, we create classroom environments that are rich in diversity and representative of our global community. This not only supports cultural awareness and culturally responsive teaching, but also helps children see themselves and their peers in a positive, inclusive light. In closing, as we end this episode, material rotation is more than just a classroom management technique. It's a powerful educational tool that keeps the classroom environment fresh and stimulating. It caters to the evolving needs of young learners, supports various developmental areas, and aligns with broader educational philosophies. The key is creativity, observation, always observation, and the willingness to adapt and respond to children's needs. So thank you for joining us on this exploration of material rotations in the early childhood classroom. Here at Pre-K Spot Talks, we're all about sparking ideas and inspiring change in the world of early learning. Until next time, keep rotating, keep inspiring, and keep nurturing those young minds and play on.